Hello, this is Margarita Monet from Edge of Paradise, and you are listening to the Metal Pit Podcast. Welcome to the Metal Pit Podcast, where we delve deep into the albums and bands that shaped metal. Please visit us on our website at www.themetalpit.org. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Metal Pit. And our YouTube channel is at The Metal Pit 666. And if you have any questions or comments or album suggestions about this podcast, I have an email for it. So you can email us at podcast at themetalpit.org. I am your host, Blake. I am the creator of the Metal Pit website that we have here. And it's been around on and off for over 20 years. And the current version is almost at three years with my current version. And today, one of my today, my guest is one of my current writers, Jim, who is from Nova Scotia, Canada. How are you today, Jim? I am awesome, Blake. Thanks for having me. This is great. And yes, and this is your first podcast episode. Yes, and super excited, super excited. Yes, and you have written, you've only been on the Metal Pit for a few months there, writing reviews, but you've wrote many reviews in the few months that you've been there. And you're supporting everybody else's reviews too, and that's awesome. We love that. <laughs> uh, and since this is your first time, just tell our, just tell me, actually, because I guess I don't really know either, but and our listeners, how you got into heavy metal music in general. Oh, geez. Well, it's been a long road being of 52 years, uh, you know, and being able to grow up as a kind of a child of the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, you know, I, I, my first album I ever got, which was a kind of a cool story, I was at a flea market, I was buying a uh, Saturday Night Fever, the double album, and in a pile of albums for like $4. And inside the sleeve, without the sleeve of the album was uh, Judas Priest sin after sin so put that on blew my mind and then since then i've been just absolutely freaked out over metal you know in the early 80s got into you know def leppard uh like you know high and dry pyromania motley crew uh you know the first couple albums and then started uh as you know things started to progress throughout the 80s became kind of a really big thrash enthusiast you know with metallica's first albums you know, Overkill, Testament, uh, you know, and just kind of progressed from there. And then obviously kind of went backwards as I started uh, really liking a lot of bands like Saxon, Iron Maiden, uh, you know, Judas Priest, obviously, um, you know, and, and what we're going to be talking about today with Deep Purple going backwards and then, uh, you know, on Sabbath, looking at and seeking out all those albums from uh, the early early 70s and that where I was I was obviously too young uh, uh, back then but uh, you know and, and, and that's where it grew from and uh, you know continued through the the bleak part of the 90s I guess you could call it and uh, you know I'm excited to be writing uh, for the metal pit seeking out a lot of new bands listening to a lot of new stuff and I, I massively appreciate the opportunity to uh, to hang out with you guys. That's great. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're on the website and I'm glad you're here with me tonight. And yes, you mentioned we're going to talk about Deep Purple. A couple episodes earlier, we did Black Sabbath's Paranoid, which I wasn't a big fan of. The other two guys, guests on the show, were big fans of it. And I thought, well, geez, I, I listened to Deep Purple more than Black Sabbath even back then. So I thought, let's do a Deep Purple album. And there's no better Deep Purple album, I don't think, than Machine Head from 1972 and i'm just going to give a little quick bio of deep purple of course they're from england and they were formed in 1968 when i was two years old <laughs> they are considered one of the pioneers of heavy metal along with like black sabbath and led zeppelin but when they started out they were kind of like psychedelic rock and progressive rock and they did a lot of stuff with classical orchestras, which John Lord liked doing. And then Richie Blackmore said, I want to do a rock album, probably after he heard Led Zeppelin's first couple albums. And Black Sabbath's first, I guess, yeah, first couple albums also. 
because I just recently watched a documentary on Richie Blackmore, actually, and it was him and John Lord that started Deep Purple. And they said, we need to find a singer like Robert Plant. We need a screamer. And then they went and found Ian Gillen. Even Because he wasn't on the first couple. I don't have that all listed here. He wasn't on the first couple albums. Rod Evans was the singer of Deep Purple before. But I think Ian Gillen was, the first, was on In Rock, I believe, was his first album with Deep Purple. I could be wrong about that. But that is really their first hard rock album was their 1971 album in rock or was that yes 1971 or was that 1970 i could have nope. the wrong date in rock there. was 70 yeah okay it was 70 and then they had fireball which was 1971 which was the next one and then came 1972's machine head and of course there's a heavy metal group called machine head and i'm sure that's where they got their name <laughs> so uh let's see so in rock featured the songs uh, Child in Time and Speed King, which were heavy on their live albums, too. And it also had the non the non album single Black Knight, which is also a pretty heavy song. And then in 71, yes, I have the wrong year there. 71, they released Fireball, which wasn't as good. I didn't find as in rock, but it did have Strange Kind of Woman on it. And Fireball is a pretty good track, too. But they kind of went away a little bit from the heavy rock, but then they really went all out with the machine head album. And this is, so this is actually their sixth studio album, I believe third with Ian Gillen, but again, I could be wrong on that. And let's see, I'm not, I'm going to skip. I have some stuff written down. I'm going to skip it because it's mostly about where they recorded it. And we can talk about that later when we talk about one of the songs, which also talks about where they recorded it. This is their most commercially success successful album, going number one in many countries, including the UK, of course, Finland, Germany, and Canada, and others. And the band on this album is, uh, let's see, Ian Gellin on vocals and harmonica, uh, Richie Blackmore on the guitar, Roger Glover on the bass, John Lord on the keyboards, Hammond organ, which is prominent. Of course, yeah. and Ian Pace on the drums. Ian Pace is actually the only member that has always been a member of Deep Purple because they've had many, many lineup changes, and I'm not definitely not going to try to tackle that in this podcast <laughs> episode. So we're gonna oh let's so let's see about when did you first hear Deep Purple? Then I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit in your intro there, but. Yeah, 1984's uh, Perfect Strangers album. I was hang I used to hang around in the early and mid 80s before I started working <laughs> to, to support my uh, cassette and album habit. Um, you know, I was hanging around a record store at the local mall and there was this kind of older, kind of a hippie-ish dude. And I was buying a lot of the new, like the Motley Crue, Iron Maiden at the time, the newer Judas Priest albums and stuff. And he said, you know, I saw this huge display of Perfect Strangers in the record store. And it, I always, you know, they weren't, it wasn't predominant on much music or MTV, um, but it was, I, I mean, I heard a couple of the singles off of it, uh, like knocking at your back door and, and that, and, and it, it just, uh, you know, I was always, you know, my friends weren't necessarily into it. So uh, he talked me into buying it and said, I wouldn't be disappointed. I bought it on cassette and I'll tell you, I, I went back about two weeks later with my allowance and I ended up picking up. He told me, you got to go back and get Machine Head. So it kind of went backwards for me. It did that with a lot of a lot of bands. Uh, Saxon kind of followed the same sort of route, Motorhead as well. But, you know, and then I, I picked up uh, Machine Head and I put it on and I just, I mean, you know, even in 84, when, uh, you know, I guess it would be the reuniting of the band, that lineup, uh, essentially, you know, it sounded like it could be, it could have been released, you know, right then. It, it had great staying power. And, and you know, and my, my buddy started getting into, into uh, some of the Deep Purple stuff. And we started, like, buying a lot of the albums, like Burn after that, and, you know, Come Taste the Band, uh, you know. And, and in rock, you know, fireball and just really collecting it up after that and uh, becoming a pretty huge fan. Unfortunately, I've never seen them live. So, uh, you know, but I do have obviously they have a, a massive amount of live recordings. So I'm always uh, picking up, 
you know, a live album uh, and, and, and definitely anything online that I can watch. And they're, they're just amazing. So, uh, you know, the, kind of a neat story. And, uh, you know, it's always fun to go backwards to a roots of, uh, you know, and look at that. I mean, with this album, Machine Head came out in 1972. So I was only one years old. So to be there <laughs> in 84 and then go and buy it. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty neat. So. Yes. No, I'm, I'm trying to think for myself. I probably heard them on the radio and stuff first. Smoke on the Water probably was on the radio. Yeah. And I can't even, like, because I asked you about to set up for this question, and then I didn't really think of it myself, because, <laughs> but I think I probably, because I, like, if you listen to some other podcasts, I got into Heavy Metal really by The Number of the Beast by Iron Maiden, but I'm pretty sure I listened to Deep Purple before that, but it wasn't, of course, called Heavy Metal back then. And right. I would listen to Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and thought I like this stuff better than I do whatever Foreigner or Sticks or whatever that whether that I might have listened to before. So I like and, that, and that's music. true. That's a that's a good point because you, you you know on the rock stations here in the Maritimes, you know they were kind of considered more of uh, that fringe rock, you know, with Zeppelin, a few Black Sabbath tracks they would play. So yeah, it, it probably leaked into my psyche. Uh, by just hearing, like, obviously, Smoke on the Water, you know, uh, and, and that, and, and they probably leaked in the Highway Star, that sort of thing. So uh, definitely, I, I agree with you there for sure. Yeah, I, so I can't remember. I'm kind of thinking Machine Head probably was my first Deep Purple album. I used to listen to a shortwave radio station out of the States that played heavy music, and they yeah. probably played some songs too, like Highway Star, probably heard it that way, and that's probably why I went and got it. But I'm a little vague on when I first heard Deep Purple. But, oh, actually, also, I had a, I had a friend in high school that liked Deep Purple. Maybe that was, now that I remember that, Cause he really liked deep purple. So maybe that might've been actually why or how I got into them more. And I think, and you mentioned the live, it was, uh, I've only seen them live twice. I think once was the perfect strangers tour that you mentioned that you heard that nice. album. So I remember going to that with my friend there because they reunited and I thought, Oh, let's go see them. Cause I've never seen them live. And that was at Maple Leaf gardens that was one of the last show, last concerts at Maple Leaf Garden before they closed. Well, it's not closed. It's open under a different name now, I guess. Yeah. But and that was girls school open for them. And that was April Fool's Day, 1985. Not that I remember it. I looked it up. So I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw them in 2000 and 2007 in London, Ontario at an outdoor music festival called Rock in the Park. And that was with Steve Morris on the guitar instead of Richie Blackmore. And I might have seen them one other time, but I tried looking through the lists of concerts that I could find and I couldn't remember exactly for sure. But I kind of thought maybe I saw them one other time. But anyway, it doesn't matter. OK, so we're going to start talking about the album. Now, there's only seven songs on this. So but they're, you know, they're all good to me. We're going to start with their opener, Highway Star. And I'll let you talk first about Highway Star. Oh, man. I mean, you know, you're you hit it on the head. I think it's only the album's only 38 minutes or something long. And, you know, you think about albums nowadays, they, they're trying to they, they're putting a lot of bloat on albums nowadays, a lot of bands. So mm -hmm. this is cutting edge material and is just so good. I think, you know, you can look at the you know Led Zeppelin, you can look at Black Sabbath and Deep Purple that's the birthplace of heavy metal as far as i'm concerned and you know highway star it just you know it just reeks of metal it's you know it's it's a fast fast tempo song uh you know it's definitely got some classical stuff to it which i really really like and i i think i read an interesting fact that it was actually written on a tour bus i think the year earlier uh while they were on tour probably for the album, uh, the, the previous album. So that, Ball, that's pretty yes. neat. But I mean, it's just, an, you know, and, and you talk about covers. I mean, when you run, if you look at almost, there's almost 20 bands that have done a cover for all these songs. And I mean, my favorite cover for this song, which, you know, 
is uh, by Metal Church. Um, they do a wicked cover on their first album, uh, and they they definitely, uh, you know, give it a good homage. But I mean, this is this is a great great song. One of my favorites. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of like you, where I pretty much. I mean, for me to pick a weaker song on the album, it was hard to do that. I, I will mention one a little later on, but still. A weaker song would be between nine and ten. So, and I don't want to give away my rating yet, but I mean, this song is a classic for sure. Well, you stole. I was going to say about Metal Church, so you stole that from me. <laughs> but yeah, I love Metal Church, and I love their version of Highway Star to finish off their debut album. And it's yeah. you know it's a little bit heavier, a little bit faster, but I think it's awesome with David Wayne there on vocals, who's oh, passed yeah. away now, of course, but. Yeah, so it was a great cover by them. And I was reading, I know uh, Faith No More, I guess, did a cover. I don't think I've ever heard their version of it, though, even though I love Faith No More, so I should look that up. And Dream Theater, of course, is Dream Theater. I don't know if any do, you, I don't know, do you listen to Dream Theater much? Do you... Absolutely. I like Dream Theater quite a bit. I know they did, they've done a lot of albums or other people's albums. Like they've done live shows and they've done uh, like Master of Puppets in its entirety and they've done. Yeah one of the Pink Floyd ones. I'm not sure. I don't think it was the wall, but it might've been the dark side of the moon one. And so they love doing that. And they've also did uh dreams. Th- I mean, deep purple's live album made in Japan. They actually re- they did a version of the live album and it's pretty cool to hear. So if you haven't heard that and you like dream theater, make sure you check it out. And if you haven't heard, Mich- you haven't heard deep purple's made in Japan. I'm not sure which one to tell you to listen to first. They're both pretty cool. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, yeah, anyway, Highway Star for me, yes, I love the song, of course, and uh, and yes, I read that it uh, Blackmore took part or classical composer Bach is one of the things he had in mind as he was writing the guitar parts for it or whatever, right. but we've already covered it because you said how great it is, and yes, it's <laughs> and they also used to start a lot of their concerts with Highway Star, which I thought was surprising, but they started their live album made in Japan was started with highway star and they did a lot of that. And actually I looked up this concert list of the one I saw perfect stranger and they started that show with highway star also. Nice. It's weird. You think they'd save that for near the end, but yeah. Anyway, then we got maybe I'm a Leo. Now, uh, Ian Gillen was a Leo. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. <laughs> but, uh, I read Roger Glover, the bass player, wrote the main riff after hearing John Lennon's song, How Do You Sleep? Now, of course, I can't. I've never heard that song. But anyway, you must have got an idea from listening to that. Now, this probably isn't one of the best songs on the album. But like I said, I love every song. So this is just a little slower than I always start. But of course, always great solos. And I could say that about every song here, whether it's John Lord's solos or yeah. on the keyboards or the organ, or if it's Richie Blackmore's awesome guitar solos. And I had stuff written here about Dream Theater, which I already said. So what do you think of Maybe I'm a Leo? I, you know, you took the words out of my mouth. This was the one that would be my, my if I had to pick one, if I was made to pick, I couldn't say all of them were awesome. This one would be the probably my weaker one on the album, although it definitely isn't one I skip. So, yeah, I mean, it's got that bluesy sound to it. It's so cool. I mean, that, you know, that bass riff is just so wicked. It's just it's a little slower paced. I think it's got a good spot on the album because you light it up with Highway Star and then you go into this to kind of chill out a little bit from what I understand. Now, I've never seen them live. And you generally have some stats and stuff. I'm not sure if you have any, but I, I looked it up and it said that this is rarely played live. I would, I, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but. Uh, yes, I didn't, I didn't do what I do in some of the other episodes <laughs> just because there's such an old band. I thought, I don't yeah. know how accurate it's going to be for that, but I did read a few times, a few songs on here. I have notes where it says they didn't play the song much live. So yes, this yeah. is one of them that they didn't play live that often. But I mean, I, I, I like it. It's just, uh, yeah, it's probably my weakest one on the album, but weak being still a number one song <laughs> on many other bands. Albums. So, yes. uh, you know, and I, I feel the same way, you know, uh, you, you took a lot of the, the, the words right out of my mouth with that one. So. Well, you did it on the first song, so I had to do it on that one. <laughs> Then we go to pictures of home and I'll let you talk and see if you can take the words out of me then. 
I I like this album, or sorry, I like this song. I mean, that drum intro is just, I mean, it just pounds, breaks into such a cool guitar riff. I mean, you know, Blackmore, you can sit there, and this guy is a musical genius. I mean, they all they all are musical genius. So when mm-hmm. it comes down to it, it just, you know, it's just awesome. And I mean, that bass line again is just is just killer. I mean. Uh, you know, I like this one. Uh, it's still not my hundred percent favorite on the album, uh, but it's it's up there in my top in my top three. Um, you know, and I don't know if you're an Ingve fan or not, but he covered this. He covered a number of Deep oh. Purple songs on his Inspiration cover album. And I know there's, you know, I, I kind of am a deep. I am. I kind of am an Ingve fan. So uh, he does a really good cover of it. I thought it was really well done and. Uh, really really interesting and he uh he gave it it's it's uh just due for sure but i i really like this i really like this song yes i like this i mean well i like every song but <laughs> but i i love the john lord's distorted ham and organ it's in yeah. this one it's you never think of an organ as being heavy <laughs> but That's on this true. song and a few other songs we'll get to one other one later that especially you hear it but it's just great to hear that like is this where I said, I don't know, I wrote this all down, but I don't usually listen to too many bands that have a keyboard or an organ as one of the main parts of the songs. It would be Deep Purple here, and it would be the band I mentioned previously, Dream Theater, as yeah. I love their keyboards too. But that's prob- these are probably the only two bands where I really listen to them that it's so prominent in the music. And so... And yes, and his keyboards are definitely a catalyst on this track also. It's kind of, and it's cool to have a organ keyboards, you know, kind of leading the track in a way, even though he oh, still absolutely. gave, of course, a killer guitar solo from Richie Blackmore in there and also a bass solo from a short one, but a bass solo in there from Roger Glover also. Yeah. And I guess you could call him the little thing at the start, a drum solo, but it's only a few seconds. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great intro, great intro. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go to Never Before. Now, so I'll start with this one, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, that, and this also starts a little drum intro. And this is one of the ones that they didn't play live very much, which kind of surprises me because it's kind of like a sing-along chorus, like the Never Before part. And you'd think this would be a song to play live and have the people singing along with it because it's kind of melodic, more melodic than some of the other choruses are in the songs. And to me, I just mentioned the keyboards leading the last song. The drummer is Ian Pace kind of leads this part of the song because he's a big part of the song. And you really hear him in it. They do slow down in the middle. It's kind of a little trippy kind of feel, <laughs> hippie, trippy, whatever kind of feel. But and this is actually one of the s- singles released from the album, which also is also surprising why they didn't play alive more. But what do you yeah. think of Never Before? Uh, this, this, believe it or not, is my favorite song on the album. Oh, <laughs> favorite song on the album. It's got I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I am a I am a fairly big Doors fan. So I find it has elements of like it's got kind of that that like Beatlesque, I guess you could say, sort of melody to it. And mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of a Doors groove to it. It's got a really good groove to it. I like it. I mean, this I you know, I was kind of shocked too like when I read I believe this was the first or second single released and I think Smoke on the Water was the third if I'm if I'm correct and yes. you know I was kind of shocked that they they went with this one ahead of it but I think maybe it's got a little bit more maybe they thought that it had a little bit more commercial appeal to it than it than it maybe ended up having but I it's my favorite song on the album and and I, I agree it's got it's got some great stuff in it. And I, I like that slowing in the middle and it kind of goes into a bit more of a, of a chorus than, uh, than what we're used to, uh, than, than what we've been used to with Deep Purple leading up to this actual album. And that's probably why, you know, many of these songs became such classics and this album did so well commercially. You know, I, yes. I think that, uh, that, that is uh, something uh, that, that definitely happened. But no, this is my favorite song, my favorite number one song on this album. <laughs> 
That's great. Now that was that okay. If you're talking vinyl here or cassettes, I guess that was the inside <laughs> one. There's only seven songs. There's only three songs inside two, but this could be one of the best sides of any hard rock album ever. I don't know. Yeah. That's my opinion anyway. And we started off with Smoke on the Water. Now I have a whole bunch of stuff written here for Smoke on the Water, but I'll let you go first and see which parts you don't say. <laughs> God, I mean, there's so much history with this this song. I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, I knew parts of it, uh, and then when you would when we had you had asked me to to kind of come on here, I definitely started getting deeper into my research. And wow, it just blows blows you away. What went into first of all recording this album, and then you know all the meaning behind the song, which comes out of essentially a fire. And, you know, it, you know, here we have in December of 71, you know, they've got, uh, you've got Frank Zappa, uh, you know, <laughs> he's, he's uh, having a concert at the Montreux Casino and uh, a fan, you know, which is from what I understand in, in a lot of European countries, uh, you know, a flare gun went off and uh, ended up catching the venue on fire and the, essentially the whole casino burned down. Um, and I believe it was the last night in, in December where they were closing it and they were, Deep Purple was set to go in and record. And they had the, um, you know, they, I think they borrowed, I think they borrowed from the Rolling Stones an actual mobile studio to bring in there. So when this happened, and, and it'd be great, you know, thankfully, I believe there was no fatalities from what I read uh, from this fire. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But they went in there and they were going to go in there and they ended up having no place to record. So they ended up having to uh, find another place. And I think what I'll do is I'll hand it over to you because you look <laughs> like you're chomping at the bit there. <laughs> Because this is such a great story, and I'll, I'll let well, you yeah, I'll add, I'll add to what you were saying there. That uh, yeah, so they had to find another place to record, so they searched for an alternative venue, which was a nearby theater. But they just, I think they recorded one song there, but then they got shut down yeah. for noise complaints. <laughs> And so then they moved to, I guess it was a hotel. Wait, uh, oh yeah, they had a hotel room or something, and then they converted it into a live room suitable for recording. And then, of course, Smoke on the Water, like we're already saying, is about, is the story about usually, you know, groups make up stories for songs, but this is a true story about them getting, going to record this album. And the thing I like about it is, okay, first of all, the, the riff, the opening riff is like oh. one of the most recognizable riffs in heavy rock music of all time. And the thing is, it's really easy. Like <laughs> it's a basic, <laughs> like it's a four chord thing or a four note riff thing that, you know, I'm sure Richie probably made up in two seconds and it's yeah. like their most popular song ever <laughs> pretty much. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure it's been covered by many, many bands. And he actually, Blackmore actually claimed that the main riff was an interpretation of symphony number no. five by Ludwig van Beethoven, which is another classical thing. Wow. And he says that I owe him a lot of money. I guess he owes Beethoven <laughs> a lot of money for giving him the idea for this. And, and I uh, love the story, the story there where he they went into the I like the story where they went into kind of the auditorium where they were going to they recorded one song and the police ended up showing up and they yeah. tried to barricade themselves in there. <laughs> that would be really cool. That would be really cool. And they got one song recorded and then kind of got kicked out of there. That's uh, it's hilarious. It's you can't you know, you can't write this. <laughs> <laughs> And this, and you mentioned this on the last song there about the single. Yeah, this was the third single from the album, but they didn't release it till the next year, so 1973, because they didn't expect people to like the song as much as they did, probably because it was so easy. It was just a quick little thing. Here, let's play this song about the place burning down. So they didn't think people were going to like it so much. So then they thought, oh, we better release it as a single now. And the song reached number five or number four on the U.S. Billboard single charts, and it reached number two in Canada's single charts, which and number two in Canada was the highest it ranked in any country anywhere. So wow. I guess us Canadians know what we're doing. And when right. I got uh, some interesting things here, not you might have came across this too, but there's some world records that were involved with some to do with the song. 
1994 in Vancouver, Canada, they had 1,322 guitarists gathered to play the riff Smoke on the Water until they made the Guinness Book of World Records. But then in 2007 in Kansas City, that was broken by 1,721 guitarists. And then 20 days later in a German city, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, they had over 1,800 people playing the riff Smoke on the Water. And then again, in 2009, in Poland, they really broke the record with 6,346 guitar players, and one of them being Steve Morse, who is in Deep Purple now, or in the yeah. later albums, as it was at uh, Thanks Jimmy Festival, which I assume is a Jimi Hendrix festival. So yeah. there's, and I also forgot to mention something earlier I was going to mention. They also were in the Guinness Book of World Records in, now let me find it here, 19, oh, 1972 for being the loudest band in the world. But I'm sure that's yeah. been broken now. But so I don't know who has a current record. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure that has been broken now by somebody. Oh, sorry. When you think about it, though, I mean, that's, that's those are record breaking. This is a song that's been stamped on like society. And I mean, it is such, you know, it probably isn't my favorite song on the album. Probably my top two, my top three, only because it's probably been played so much. But yeah. I, I and I always <laughs> try to work in maybe a, a deeper track when I'm, you know, to make myself seem maybe a little bit more mysterious. I don't know, but that is, a, that is it. I mean, that guitar riff, you can't, you just can't get away from it. And it's, I mean, a phenomenal song. Yes. And I was going to say something else about smoke in the water. I guess it doesn't matter. I don't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, definitely. Oh, I was going to say that I can even play this on the guitar. That's how easy ah. it is. <laughs> I'm not a good guitarist. I have a guitar, but yeah, smoke on the water. It's like, hey, oh, I can play that. Like, so, <laughs> and my wife, I go, hey, that's smoke on the water. And she doesn't even listen to it. <laughs> okay, then we go to track two on side two, which is lazy. And I'll, I'll let you talk first about lazy, I guess. Oh, well, I mean, this is probably the one, the second one you're talking about with those killer, you know, that Hammond organ and yes. the uh, keyboards. <laughs> I mean, this is an awesome, another awesome song. I mean, uh, you know, it just, it starts off with those, that Hammond organ uh, intro into the killer guitar riff. And I mean, we're just, it's kind of almost a repeat of, of so far, almost the whole album. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a great track and, uh, you know, I, I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, I mean, those, like you said earlier with the Hammond organ, and you know the keyboards adding that and making it such a big part of the band but of this album and then this album being so successful for them uh you know and and i think they were leading up to the success within rock and you know fireball uh you know and then then releasing this and um you know and i but i think making that kind of getting an almost as equal play in some songs as as the you know the guitar in some way i mean i yes. think that's pretty groundbreaking and that's pretty neat so gotta call that out for sure well actually that was one of the things i don't think i mentioned this earlier i had it wrote down but like john lord really liked classical music and so they yeah. did a bunch of stuff with classical orchestras but richie blackmore said i want to make a rock album so we're gonna do what i want to do now we've done the classical thing that you want to do john lord okay. i mean and goes, let's do a rock album or some rock album and see how that goes. And well, John Lord adapted and it was a good decision, I think. Totally. totally. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say about Lazy. Yeah. So when you start listening to Lazy, you think, well, this must be an instrumental because it's like four and a half minutes into the song before we, Ian Gillen appears on vocals. I think he was on harmonica earlier in the song. But yeah, it's not till like four and a half minutes in when he finally says, you're lazy, just stay in bed. <laughs> but so the lyrics aren't too in-depth on the on the album it's you know you're so lazy that if you're drowning you can't even save yourself or whatever <laughs> so yeah. it's a pretty basic lyric song but yes it's i love it and the john lord's playing like you said and trading off solos between the keyboard your organ player keyboard player and your guitarists and and bass and drums of course too so yes it's it's probably one of it's one of my favorite ones on this album and of deep purple in general and then we end with space trucking. And I'll just say a quick thing about that first. 
of course the song is about space travel <laughs> but i'm not sure how that is achieved if it's with drugs or what i'm not sure <laughs> but the thing i love about the song which really has nothing to do with on the album but is it's like a four minute four and a half minute song but when they play it live it turns into 20 minutes <laughs> yeah like if you get made in japan live album and a few other ones it's always a long song it's the song they choose to let's do a whole bunch of solos and let's jam and i just love that about when groups back then i think they did it a lot more back then than they do nowadays bands don't really do it like deep purple and led zeppelin or yeah. uh, even sabbath or whatever would go off on these big solos and jamming things and that's what i liked about their live albums and live shows is that they didn't just play the songs they had some fun too outside yeah. of just playing the songs so what do you think of space trucking oh i love it i mean uh, one of the little factoids i picked up was that the actual riff the high half step riffs were uh kind of composed like based around the theme it was inspired by the theme music for the old batman tv show <laughs> so i thought that was pretty cool so i i you know i I've listened to it a million times. I never really picked up on it. And then when I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Um, you know, I got into it. And I said, yeah, I, can, I think I can hear it now. So that, that was pretty <laughs> neat. But yeah, it's it's a great uh, a great track for sure. Uh, one of my, I mean, you know, it finishes off the album. You know, it finishes off on that high. And I think they were, because that's what I think the space travel was, as you as you <laughs> indicated. And uh, but it was, uh, you know, that that's a great track to finish the album off on. And I, it, it uh, you know, I, I just love it. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of my like one of my top end of the album, which is only seven songs. So somebody has to come in seventh and six. So, you know, <laughs> you'd almost kind of think they might have ended with lazy, actually, just because of the way the song was a long one. But no, it doesn't really yeah. matter what order you have put songs anymore, especially. But but anyway, but uh, yes. And I was going to mention, uh, yeah, because that's a great side there with just the three songs, Smoke on the Water, Lazy and Space Truck and all classics yeah. that they probably play live a lot. Those three songs still to this day. Since they had an album out last, I think it was last year, maybe it was two years ago now, but I think it might have been last year. But yeah. it's good to see that they're still going in some capacity there. And but there's yeah. no like like there's no weird slow songs like they did on some of the other albums. Like it's all pretty even like with maybe a Malio or Never Before, they're still pretty heavy and rocking and everything like that so that's why it's one of my favorites well it's my favorite deep purple album now would perfect strangers be your favorite deep purple album or would it be this one or another one no it would be this one's my favorite uh deep purple album i would say like and then i kind of jumped to i really like burn quite a bit i'd say that's mm -hmm. probably my second i love that album and then i would say probably i, I need to get into the stuff pre pre uh in rock uh the first couple albums because i i haven't really even gone gone that far so i i really got to get into that and, and i definitely will i'm always uh i'm always as you know i'm always buying more and more picking up more and more stuff all the time um you know and and i but but definitely it's my favorite uh it's, you know it's pretty close i don't want to give anything away to my almost my favorite of the 1970s but you know and another thing too the cover i believe iron maiden did a cover of space truck and uh as well on uh i think they did a there was a tribute to deep purple and i think they did it oh. on there so oh, i've heard it a couple of times which was pretty cool yeah i'm sure there's been lots of covers of deep purple songs over the years by many years and i know that deep purple and led zeppelin were two of iron maiden's influences yeah that i that's one of the reasons that i because i knew that i listened to deep purple and led zeppelin probably mostly radio stuff i would hear because when i read a story about this group called iron maiden which i knew nothing about it said they were influenced by deep purple and led zeppelin and that's why i thought well i want to start listening to iron maiden because they're influenced by two of the bands that i really like right <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that came about for me anyway so i definitely listened to them before i heard iron man because i was talking on the black sabbath podcast to the guys about 
I didn't listen to Black Sabbath as much as Deep Purple Led Zeppelin. And I even listened yeah. to heavy, like Iron Maiden and Merciful Fate and all these groups before I even really listened to Black Sabbath that much. That's why I wasn't as big a fan as they were, as they right. probably listened to it more so before the other heavy metal that came along after, where I got Black Sabbath later in life, I guess you could call it. Yeah, Except and I was surprised. You, I think you rated you rated Paranoid as six and a half, was it? I said six, yeah. Six, okay. <laughs> Well, I told, I said on the pod, I haven't listened to this album in like 30 years. I've listened to songs. Like I said, I really like Fairies Wear Boots. I like that song. And I've heard Iron Man, of course, and Paranoid and War Pigs. But just overall, I just didn't listen to a lot of Ozzy's Black Sabbath. I listened to Dio's Sabbath or Ian Gillen's Sabbath yeah. album more than I did the Ozzy Sabbath albums. Because I had so much else going on. I had Iron Maiden albums and then Thrash came yeah, along. Right. And I was really into Thrash. So it was like, well, I'm not going to go back to the slower stuff that Sabbath yeah. did in the early years. But of course, I know they're important to heavy metal, of course. But and like I said, I just listened to Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple more. It was just more to my liking, I guess. Absolutely. So anyway, what's your rating of out of 10 for this album? Uh, I got to go with a 10. I got to go with a 10. I mean, this is, you know, will it make my top 10? I think I'm giving it away that it will be in there somewhere. But this, you know, you know, and my top 10 of the 1970s albums will be pretty much these are all going to be 10s, you know, because I love I love these albums from these bands. And and I got to admit, it was hard to place them. And it was even hard, I think, right up until an hour before this, I was still scratching them out and, and adding some lots of honorable mentions. So uh, but no, it's a 10 for sure. I mean, this is this is the quintessential heavy metal album. And I think it stands up to today. Um, you know, you can you can listen to it if you want to get into a more uh, traditional, like really groovy, a lot of blues, which I like, uh, you know, and it's just, it, it's got that covered and it's just, uh, I mean, it's a great album from start to finish. There's, there's really not a filler track or a bad track on it in, in my opinion. You know. Yes. And I would also give it 10 out of 10. I don't think I have to say anything else about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, as you mentioned, we it was a little because sometimes we do the top 10 for the year that an album came out. But 1972, I don't know if there would even be 10 hard rock heavy metal albums to have on a list. <laughs> so I thought, let's do the whole 70s. So 1970 to 1979. And yes, I realized it was very hard. <laughs> but and I had probably 20 in my first initial list. I probably had 20 down there. So I had to knock 10 off. And so this isn't really, so I don't want people complaining and saying, oh, this group's not heavy metal, this group's not heavy metal. So this is really our top 10 hard rock, heavy metal albums, whatever you want to call it, of the 1970s. So I guess we'll do yours first. And now you don't have to give a rating to every album or nothing like that. No. <laughs> and you can sure. mention honorable mentions or maybe wait till I'm done and then see if any of my were your honorable mentions. So yeah, start sure. with your number 10 if you did them and if you ranked them one to 10, that is. So start yeah. with your number 10 of the seven. Number 10 is the Kiss debut album, uh, 1974. You know, I mean, another great album. Love this album. Uh, you know, I kind of bumped some of my other ones off and I, I was just battling with it, but I got to give props to Kiss at number 10. I could easily have fallen into my honorable mention, but it's, it's my favorite album Kiss ever put out. And uh, I think it's their best one. Okay. <laughs> number nine, this one might be a little bit out, off the wall and, and I, you know, but I'm a huge Scorpions fan, huge Scorpions fan. Uh, so I fought myself on which one I was going to put through, but my favorite Scorpions album of all time is Taken by Force, 1977. Absolutely love that album. And I know, you know, there's, you know, there's Virgin Keller. There's a lot of great 1970s Scorpions album. I even really like the debut album, Lonesome Crow, which I know gets a lot of heat, especially in North America. But I mean, you know, it's got my favorite song on it, We'll Burn the Sky. And I absolutely love that album. So it kind of a kind of a different one, but number eight, I kind of fall back into one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, you know, Blue Oyster Cult. 
Uh, you know, I got to go with Agents of Fortune, 1976. I mean, this this could have even been higher, but I've got some other ones on there that that I just, you know, it's just the way it falls. My favorite song on that is Tattoo Vampire. But I mean, you know, it's got classics on there with, uh, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper. Love that album. My number seven is kind of another funny one, which it's just got that, uh, it was the first metal album I ever really listened to. I had that copy of it that I accidentally bought. Judas Priest and After Sin, 1977. I mean, you can get, you know, you Dissident Aggressor on that album is just phenomenal. It's been covered by so many bands and the whole album I absolutely love. And I really think that, you know, you know, they were really gaining massive momentum by then. I mean, you know, they've had, they had a lot of great albums coming out and a lot of people, again, their debut album, they're, they're not super into it, but they kind of just kept growing and growing. And I think that's one that really, really brought in the Judas Priest sound. Number six, I'm going to pick, I'm not the biggest Led Zeppelin fan, but I got to give physical graffiti, you know, from 1975, uh, a, a lot of love. I mean, uh, I love this album. It's got my favorite song on it with Cashmere. So I, you know, obviously uh, I, I'm not a massive fan. I probably only have about three or four other albums and maybe a few greatest hits albums, but, you know, it was such an important band and album f- uh, to the metal movement as far as I'm concerned. And, and people I know will say, well, it's not heavy metal. Nah, I'm, I classify it definitely as heavy metal. Yes. My number five pick is uh, Van the Van Halen debut. I mean, uh, you know, being a child of the 80s, I remember hearing about 81 or 82 uh, Eruption. And I mean, you know, Running With The Devil, amazing, amazing debut album. Still my favorite Van Halen album of all time. I don't think it can get any better. And I know there'll be a lot of people out there who argue this, but one and two are just so amazing. Uh, number four, uh, God, 1976, Thin Lizzy, uh, Jailbreak. Um, I could have easily put a couple of Thin Lizzy albums on here. Tried to keep it to one album for one band with one album rather than just filling it with multiple albums. But Thin Lizzy, Jailbreak, again, you know, my favorite song, Cowboy Song, Emerald on there. I absolutely love it. Number three, uh, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Uh, you know, I, I loved you, you doing, you guys all doing the, uh, you know, the podcast there last week on on that album. It's my favorite Black Sabbath album. Uh, I, I Next to some of the Dio stuff, which I absolutely love as well. But I mean, this was just such an important album. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, and then number two is actually this album, you know, uh, Deep Purple Machine Head. Uh, it's my number two pick. I've talked a lot about it only bows down to my number one pick of Rainbow Rising. I mean, I love Rainbow. I love Rainbow Rising. I think Stargazer is the best song ever written. So very passionate about it. I love that song. Tarot Woman on there is just, um, Tarot Woman is amazing. You know, and you've got Blackmore on there. So, you know, it's it's like, what the heck? Dio, you know, Jimmy Bain, Cozy Powell. I mean, this is another, you know, great lineup and, and what a phenomenal album. So I'll, I, I'll save my honorable, my couple honorable mentions I have for after when you're done, because you're okay. probably going to pick a couple. Of them. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Because we only matched, I think I only had four of those on my list, Whoa. I think. <laughs> I think, well, I might have made four or five, five at the most. I know the first, I think three didn't match. <laughs> okay. No. First, I'm going to, first, I'm going to mention a few honorable mentions before I start only because I felt they were, even though it's still hard rock, I just felt like it didn't belong on the list, but there are four albums that I really liked from the seventies. One was Meatloaf, Spat Out of Hell. In 1977, and also in 1977 was Queen's News of the World. I really love because this is all stuff that I used to listen to before. I probably started hearing Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin. It was I was hearing this stuff because it was actually played on the radio more outside of you know Stairway to Heaven was played on the radio, but there wasn't that much other stuff that was played on the radio. And then Canada's April Wine with Harder Faster. I didn't write down the year of that one, but I used to have that on eight track while I played pool in my basement in my house with my parents' house. <laughs> so I love some April Wine there. And then Sweet's Desolation Boulevard, which was 1974. And of course, if anybody knows Sweet, it had the Ballroom Blitz on it. So if you don't know the Ballroom Blitz, then you're not gonna know who Sweet is. 
Now I have some other honorable mentions, but I'm going to save them for after my top 10 because they're more heavier and would fit better on the list. So now I didn't go with your thing about leaving a, only putting one group on the list. <laughs> so I have a group multiple times, <laughs> which you might be able to guess. But anyway, number yeah. 10, I'm starting with Led Zeppelin and Led Zeppelin 3 from 1970. And I'm not going to talk about the album, but it had Immigrant Song. Or no, was that three? Yes, it had Immigrant Song on it. Oh, no. Was that Immigrant? Yeah, I'm going yeah. to say it had Immigrant Song on that one. And it wasn't the heaviest full album, but there was some great songs in it. And, of course, Led Zeppelin 2, which came out in 69, was probably heavier than Led Zeppelin 3. But since it wasn't in the 70s, I can't include that one. <laughs> Number nine, I got Van Halen's debut album, like you did nice. in 78. Number eight, I got Aerosmith with Toys in the Attic from 1975. Now, maybe people will think, well, that shouldn't be on here. But, you know, hair metal, Aerosmith, you know, that could have been, they're one, probably one of the creators of hair metal, kind of Aerosmith, except they didn't have makeup on or anything like that. But, of course, that has walked this way on it. Sweet Emotion, Dream On, like, it's a, pretty much a classic, that one. Yeah. And number seven, I got Alice Cooper with Welcome to My Nightmare. And that was 1975. And I love this album. I still like all of these albums. Like I was going to say this before I started, but they're in my top 10 because I still listen to these albums regularly. Yeah. I still say, what do I want to do? Oh, let's listen to Alice Cooper. Welcome to My Nightmare tonight. It's the only Alice Cooper album I listen to <laughs> ever now. <laughs> like I've listened to him before. And there's a few songs I'll hear, schools out, things like that, whatever. But this album, I love this album. It's all weird and probably drug-induced and things with some weird stuff on it. But And Vincent Price is on it. Yeah. Can't beat that. <laughs> <laughs> and see, number six is Rainbow Rising, which you had there. I love that album, too. But there's so many good albums here. So, oh, yeah. You know, tomorrow I could have had it up higher than six. But, yes, I love <laughs> that one. I also One of my honorable mentions was... Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, which also was Dio, the album before that in 1975, but he just changed the name so he didn't make, it wasn't just all about him, I guess. He thought he should change the name. And number five, I have ACDC with Highway to Hell, which came out in yeah. 1979. Because I love Bon Scott, ACDC. Like, I think if there was a fourth band that was Pioneers of Heavy Metal, it would be ACDC, just because they were heavy. And they were raunchy and, of course, Angus Young guitar work and stuff. And sure, their songs and their songs are pretty easy, a lot of them, too. So that would fit along with Smoke in the Water <laughs> with songs like Hell yeah. and stuff like that. Now, there was, I forgot to look it up, but Dirty Deeds Done Their Cheap, which is another album I love, which did come out in the 70s in Australia, but it didn't come out in North America until after Highway to Hell. Right. I was reading. So I could have included Dirty Deeds in here because it probably really is a album before 1979. But since I was reading that it wasn't really released in North America till 81, I left it off the list just for that reason. But I would or Dirty Deeds could have also been on this list because I love that album too. <laughs> and see, number four, we got Led Zeppelin with Physical Graffiti, like you had, 1975. That was a double album. And, and yeah, it's, it's got so many great tracks on that album. Yeah. And my number three is Led Zeppelin IV <laughs> from 1971. And of course, that is probably their most well-known album, that one, because it has Stairway to Heaven on it. And But Stairway to Heaven is my least favorite probably Led Zeppelin song ever. <laughs> ever. But it's a song I would always, because they would always play it on the radio at the New Year's Eve. They would always have their top 100 songs or whatever. And Stairway to Heaven would always be number one or whatever. Yeah. And it was just played so much. It was like, God, I hate this song, except for the part right at the end of the song where they pick up and get heavy. <laughs> so the slow yeah. part. But now I can appreciate it more that I'm older and I appreciate the song. But still, I like songs like like Black Dog and Battle of Evermore and When the Levee Breaks and stuff. It's just a great album. And I also love that it doesn't even have their name on the album. It doesn't even say yeah. Led Zeppelin anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but you just know it's Led Zeppelin because I remember watching documentary on it and the label said, well, we've got to put your name on it. And they says, no, we don't want our name on it. And they <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> and there it is. Probably the best-selling album ever. And it doesn't even have their name on the cover. 
doesn't have anything on the cover. I mean, in a name or a number or nothing. They just called it Led Zeppelin Four because it was their fourth album. <laughs> number two, which I don't know, uh, you don't, you didn't have this on your list, so maybe, maybe this is an honorable mention. I don't know. Montrose with ah. their debut album Montrose, of course, in 1973, with probably the only album I ever listened to that has Sammy Hagar on vocals. Yeah. Great <laughs> album. I'm not really a Sammy Hagar fan, really, for like Van Halen and maybe I Can't Drive 55 was an okay song. <laughs> but yeah, I love this album. I love the Montrose album with Bad Motor Scooter. That was, I mentioned the shortwave radio station. I remember hearing Bad Motor Scooter on that. And that's when I first heard Montrose was through that, hearing that song. And I thought I got to get this album. And I love that album. It's actually pretty similar. I find it to Deep Purple's Machine Head, that album. Oh, I love every song on it. I don't skip any of them. So that's why it's number two, which, of course, tells you that Machine Head is number one <laughs> of my albums in the 70s. But it was tough. I was almost going to say Montrose. But so it's really close. And even Led Zeppelin four. like there's a few, like any of them, almost any of the top six, like Rainbow Rising, Highway to Hell, they could all be number one, really. But. I yeah. just decided we're going with Deep Purple. And I'll mention a few of my other uh, um, honorable mentions. Well, there was Deep Purple in rock, but it wasn't as good as this one. So I left that off. Motorhead's Overkill album. It's a great album. That was from 79. Has a lot of the classic tracks on it. Two other ACDC albums, High Voltage in 76, Let There Be Rock in 77. And then the, I've already mentioned Richie Blackmore Rainbow in 75. And then I also had Ted Nugent's debut album ah. from 1975 because I love Ted Nugent too back then, especially as again, he, he would have been somebody I listened to before I discovered heavy metal. So, and he was a guitar guy too. And so that was my other honorable mentions. Did you have some other honorable mentions that I didn't mention? Yeah, I would go with like a couple that I wanted. I, I can't believe you said Queen, News of the World. I was like, I had that as high as five at one point. And then I was just messing around and I was like, I'm sorry, Freddie, I got to I gotta kick you to the curb here. I got to I gotta fit this in. I got to fit this in. So I was I was actually pleased. I was like, wow, we just said that. That's cool. Uh, you know, Rush, uh, 2112, I mean. I'm, I, I'm more of an 80s Rush fan because uh, I kind of, I guess I grew up with, with Deep Purple that way as well. And I didn't really go back as far. I more like it now than I did when I was younger. And I listened to the full Rush catalog probably a lot more frequently. Um, not a metal band, but I, I'm a huge Doors fan. And I love LA Woman's probably one of my favorite hard rock albums of all time. I, I, I really like that one. I mean, I like a lot of the Doors stuff, but that's definitely my favorite one and and you're saying albums from an acdc i'm sitting there going ah ah but you know in <laughs> 1979 i also love uh, bomber it's one of my favorite motorhead albums oh, I, mm -hmm. I think they released two albums with overkill and bomber that year which Probably, was kind of yes. neat as well but i mean their debut album as well you can't go wrong with so i wanted to show motorhead some love but <laughs> just couldn't do it i've got some like my scorpions pick was a little bit of a, my personal thing and very passionate about it and same with the Judas Priest one but there could have been another two Judas Priest ones on that list as well and uh, Deep you know Deep Purple Burn is probably my second favorite uh, Deep Purple album I love that album and I it pained me I had it at eight and nine and then it sort of fell off as I went but <laughs> those are some of my honorable mentions for sure but Montrose is a great pick I I like totally that totally escaped me when I was <laughs> when I was writing stuff down that and that's a great album that's a great album that's awesome yes and it's they didn't really make anything else that was that great I didn't think but yeah that was a great one and you mentioned Queen and I mentioned Queen and yeah and before I listened to even the harder rock stuff I would listen to Queen and Sticks and April Wine yeah. and even Super Tramp and stuff like that so that's the stuff I grew up on before I really discovered the heavier rock stuff so there's a few Queen albums I like and Brian May Brian May was on that Richie Blackmore of documentary i mentioned brian may because i think they were friends and brian may was on there talking about how great richie was and talking telling yeah. some stories and they definitely had their heavier moments they also had their softer moments of course but they had some good heavy stuff back then with of course we will rock he was on news of the world yeah <laughs> 
and and sheer heart attack i mean yes. that is a wicked wicked track it's probably one of my favorite queen songs and love testament that. covered sheer heart attack on one yes. of their albums. i love that too <laughs> that's awesome so anyway so yeah that was the interesting top 10 of the 70s it was <laughs> I guess it makes sense that we did have a lot different because you know there's some there's there was a lot to cook nine years even though it was just starting out the heavy metal part of it but you know there was lots of hard rock that led up to it so kind of yeah. was pretty interesting i thought what well, we did that list there and i had three led zeppelins on my list so that tells <laughs> me <laughs> that i really like led zeppelin so absolutely <laughs> okay so that's it so that was good uh thank you for joining me today jim uh no problem i had a blast it was fun any i love talking about music it's the love talking about metal love talking about music it's my favorite pastime so this was okay a so everybody make sure you check us out on our website www.themetalpit.org and like i said if you want to email the podcast you can email us at podcast at themetalpit.org and thank you for listening goodbye